What a powerful time of worship together. And what do you think the value of his presence is? May his presence go before you. May his presence be behind you. May his presence be to your right and to your left. And you're over and you're under and encircle you. And may you in that place find peace. Peace. This marvelous peace that passes all understanding. It's a calm in your soul. So we welcome you today. Uh, you might can tell we're growing a little bit more every week. We're still less than half normal, uh, looks like, uh, for a weekend. But you're here, and we're glad you're here. And if you're a visitor and you've, you've never been here before, <clears throat> I'd like to ask you to fill out a visitor card. And uh, they're in the pockets of those chairs in front of you. And uh, you can take that to the Welcome Center when you leave. And they've got a gift for you. And I'd like to ask, could you do that? And there's a few things in the church that are starting back up, gradually starting back up. I'd like to mention just a couple of them. Um, uh, the, normally on Mother's Day, we pass out baby bottles for Avenues for Women. It's a crisis pregnancy center. We're not just against abortion. We are against abortion, but we're, for the, uh, we're not part of the, the, the problem. We're going to be part of the solution which is Avenues for Women, and we support that. And we used to hand out baby bottles before all this pandemic, and you put all your money in there, and you bring it back on Father's Day, and uh, we're, we haven't been able to do that. So I'm asking you to go online to our website. You'll see a thing there where you can put what you were going to put in the baby bottle just electronically, go zip, 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 and put it in their account, okay? So we're still supporting that ministry. We've got a blood drive coming up pretty soon, and go on our website. You can sign up for that. I think that's on the 23rd. And uh, I was so excited this past week that the Christian Appalachian Project mission trip has been opened back up. So August 16th, we're going to take a giant team into eastern Kentucky, and I'll be leading that. And we're going to work with some people down there. And uh, that'll be on the website this week. You can sign up for that trip. And so stuff is starting to open back up. We're glad you're here. And uh, next week we'll be a little larger, hopefully. And uh, everybody smile right now. Because I tell you, I did eight weeks of doing this, and there was nobody in this room but me and a camera. And this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Last week we talked about the basics of farming. And I, I began last week, I'll do it again this week. I want to show you a picture of Janet and I when we started farming together. There you go. I don't know why I show that. I just think it's silly. But you see, farming is God's idea how he's going to establish and create and sustain a society. What's interesting to me is we're not real sure how everything was before the flood as far as farming and agriculture. But what we do know is that when Noah got off of the boat, God established an order that you and I are living under today. It's called farming. It's a way that God was going to sustain human life. If you don't farm, you're not going to eat. And if you don't eat, you're going to die. So God did this to Noah. He said to Noah in Genesis 8, as long as the earth remains. Now picture this. A new order is being established. The old order, God's judgment has fallen upon the earth, and a new order has begun. Noah and his wife and Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives, we're going to start a new order. And what's the new order? As long as the earth remains, there's going to be planting and harvest. There's going to be cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night. And you can't refute the fact that we live under those conditions now. It's still operational. It still sustains human life. Today we're going to take this farming thing to a whole new level. Actually, Jesus is going to do it. We're going to do it with him. Today I call this message Advanced Farming. Jesus explained the seed and the sower in last week's message. And today, Jesus is going to take this farming to a, to a new level, an advanced farming level. Last week, we focused on the fundamentals of spiritual farming from the gospel of Mark. Today, we're going over to the gospel of Matthew. Matthew records the same Jesus farming story as Mark. But Matthew gives us something that the other gospels don't give us. The story, 
of the wheat and the weeds. Now, some translations call it the wheat and the tares. And you need to understand what tares, T-A-R-E-S, are. Tares are weeds that look like wheat. Until they get a certain size, you can't hardly tell the difference between tares or these weeds and wheat. Jesus is going to use wheat and weeds in his advanced farming class. Now, I'm going to tell you beforehand, before I start today, listen up. This is urgent. What I'm about to tell you today is urgent. It is big. It is necessary. I told you that farming is how God is going to sustain human life. There is a physical farming that sustains your life. There is a spiritual farming revealed today through Jesus that will save your life. This is big. This is urgent. It is necessary. This advanced farming class reveals, what I'm about to show you today, reveals the conclusion of all spiritual farming on the earth. It is an eternal conclusion. And by the way, today's Matthew scripture of Jesus' advanced farming is recorded immediately following Matthew's version of the seeds and the sower. So they are connected. Well, we talked about last week in Mark. It is specifically connected to what we're going to talk about today in Matthew. This time, Jesus specifically begins by comparing this advanced farming story I'm about to read to the kingdom of heaven. He's going to connect. This farming story is going to reveal what heaven is like. Now, there'd be a lot of people that would like to tell you what heaven is like, but only one of them happens to be from there. I'd listen to him. Jesus is from heaven, and he's going to use farming to tell us what the kingdom of heaven's like. Here we go. Matthew 13, 24. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven. Here's his connection. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted a good seed in a field, in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Remember, this is Jesus' advanced farming class, and this reveals, you got to get this when we read it, this is going to actually reveal the kingdom of heaven. This time, in this story, there are two sowers, and there are two seeds. A good farmer is the first farmer, and he sows good seeds. And these good seeds are wheat seeds. We make bread from wheat seeds, from the wheat harvest. And bread can sustain your life. That's farming. The good farmer also in this story has an enemy. And he comes at night in the darkness. And he sows weed seeds in the farmer's wheat field. Now understand, this weed that he is sowing looks like wheat, but it's not. You know why? It doesn't have a crop. It takes up space in the farmer's field, but never produces a crop. It's a weed. There's two farmers, two farmers. One is good and the other is the enemy of good. There's two seeds. One is useful and the other has no value. It's absolutely worthless. It is an imposter. It bears no fruit. It produces no crop. At the harvest, there will be nothing. But now the land, the farmer, has both. Good and evil has been sown onto the farmer's land. Don't forget who's telling this advanced farming story that reveals the kingdom of heaven. His name is Jesus. He's from heaven. So this story about heaven, about farming, is real. The enemy farmer plants the weed seeds, and then he slips away into the darkness in Jesus' story. 
Both seeds, the good and the evil, began to grow alongside each other on the good farmer's field. It's almost like no one has noticed, not yet. The good farmer's land has been polluted by weed seeds. Let's go to the next verse, verse 27. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Eventually, the weeds show up. If you know anything about farming, spiritually or physically, eventually, the weeds show up. It becomes clear that something has gone wrong. But where did all these weeds come from? That's not what the good farmer sowed in his field. What are we going to do? The crop of good wheat has been polluted by weeds. What are we going to do? That's what they're asking the farmer. What are we going to do? Next verse, 28. An enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? There's an enemy. He did it. And then he slipped into the darkness. He sowed weeds in the wheat field. Should we pull out the weeds? Now, this is really big. This is advanced farming. Should we pull out the weeds? You know what? There's an inclination immediately to start weed pulling. Should we pull out the weeds? This is where advanced farming class kicks in. What do we do now? When I look around and there's weeds growing alongside of the wheat, what do we do now? Jesus is the advanced farmer in this story. He knows the enemy. He knows what the enemy has done. He knows how to protect the good seeds that have been planted on his farm. And should we go into the field right now and pull up the weeds? There's something inside of us that wants us to go out into the field and pull up the weeds that are growing alongside the wheat. Should we? No. No. Verse 29. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weed, the wheat, if you do. You'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both, are you hearing me? This is advanced farming. Let both grow together until the harvest. And then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. Now, if you're a regular farmer, no disrespect, if you're a regular farmer, you're not going to get this story. If you're a regular farmer, you're going to go out there and go weed plucking. And you're going to mess up the wheat. This is an advanced farming story. If you try to tear out the weeds from the soil right now, you're going to destroy much of the wheat crop. You know what you need to do? You're going to need to do what you don't want to do. Wait. Even if you feel like you need to do something right now. Wait. Wait. Let the wheat and the weeds grow alongside each other on the good farmer's land until the harvest time. Let the true and the false coexist until the harvest time, side by side for now. It's okay. Side by side for now. It's okay. You can't stop it. It's okay. He acknowledges that the good and the evil, the wheat and the weeds, the true and the false will coexist side by side until the harvest. The advanced farmer will deal with the weeds at harvest time. Until then, wait. And let me ask everybody a question so far in the story. Don't answer out loud. You can if you're online, you can answer out loud, okay? But if you're here, do you understand this story yet? Are you sure? If not, don't feel bad. There's a second part to this Jesus advanced farming class. Jesus, up to this point, had been explaining this story to a large crowd of people, and then the crowd leaves. Jesus then gets into a smaller group. But why is he even telling farming stories? If this is the revelation of the kingdom of heaven, why not just say, 
the kingdom of heaven is like this. I came from there. This is what's the, why, why does he use farming stories? This is really important. This is really important. Because the Old Testament said he would. The scriptures said he would use stories, parables, to reveal the kingdom of him. So he will. So if you're wondering why, I want you to know why. He is actually, when Jesus tells this story about advanced farming, he is literally fulfilling Psalm 78 verse 2. What does that tell you about the Bible? What does it tell you about the power of the Word of God? He is literally fulfilling Psalm 78 2. Now, let me, let me explain why I say that. Let's keep going in the story. Let's go down to verse 34. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Why? Why? This fulfilled, these parables, this farming stuff, this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. What did he say through the prophet? By the way, this is Psalm 78 too. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. How? Through parables. Now, last week, if you were here last week, I talked about the seed and the sower. It was also, Jesus told the story of the seed and the sower to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Today, he's doing the advanced farming to fulfill the prophecy of Psalm 78. Now, I'll ask you again. Do you understand this week in Weed's parable of Jesus? Do you understand this kingdom of heaven advanced farming story? Can you imagine why Jesus is even telling this story? Do you want to know about the eternal advanced farming plan of God? Because Jesus is going to do something. He doesn't do it with every parable, but he does it with this one. He's going to break it all down line by line by line. If it's any help, Jesus' disciples, even his closest disciples, didn't fully understand it. So they asked him, and I'm going to read the next verse. They asked him after he told them the first part, will you explain this to us? Because we're really not getting it either. Verse 36. Then leaving the crowds outside. Now he's left the big group and he's gone to a small group. Leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house and his disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus takes the time with this small group of disciples to open their minds to understand the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I pray, in fact, I'm going to do it literally. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would epapha everyone in this room, everyone watching this sermon online, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, and that that seed would fall on good soil, and it would produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times for you, the farmer, in Jesus' name, and amen. I pray that everyone who hears this today, this explanation of the two farmers and the two seeds and the eternal implications of this farming story, I pray that everyone here will leave and say, I get it. I absolutely understand. Because here it comes. Verse 37, 38, and 39. Three verses. Summarize seven points that are so simple. If you have ears to hear and understand what the Spirit today is saying to the church. Here we go. Verse 37. They've asked him, would you please explain this to us? Jesus replied, the Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world. And the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are angels. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Do you see them? All right, I'll go slower. Number one. One at a time. Here we go. Too many words on that page. There you go. The Son of Man is the farmer who planted the good seed. Number two. 
The field is the world. Number three, the good seed or wheat represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. Number four, the weeds are people who belong to the evil one. Number five, the enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Number six, the harvest is the end of the world. Number seven, the harvesters are the angels. Jesus has just laid out his entire class in seven points. Is there anything confusing about any of those seven? I don't think so. I think that's black and white. It's pretty clear. But I'm going to do something. I want to go through all seven of them. It won't take very long, trust me, but I want you to understand exactly what he's telling us because there are eternal implications to this class. Number one, let's go through them one at a time. The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. Now, you need to understand something. What was the seed we talked about last week? This story follows the seed and the sower story. They are connected. What is the good seed? It says, point number one, Jesus says, the Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The Son of Man's Jesus. What's the good seed? This is it. I wonder how many of you have get, are going to get first point. This is it. The Word of God is the seed. And Jesus just so happens to be called the Word. The Word of God enters a person by faith. And that is the fulfillment of advanced farming point number one. The good farmer sows a seed. That is the first point. Jesus sows a seed. The Word enters a person by faith, comes inside with the idea that it's going to multiply and produce a supernatural crop. Let's be clear. Jesus is the good seed planting farmer. It all begins with Jesus. So point number one, point number one, the Son of Man is the farmer that plants the good seed. Do you understand this first point? If so, say, uh-huh. And it's going to go way faster if you'll agree with me, okay? <laughs> number two, the field is the world. It's Jesus' field. Anybody hearing me? It all belongs to him. And yes, there are weeds here now. Yes, it's Jesus' field. There's weeds here. You and I are on his property right now. We are on his land. We are living in his field. And yes, there's weeds in his field. In Psalms 95, I love this scripture, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God. A great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth. I want you, it's his field, it's his land, it's his property. We're living on his land. And yes, there's weeds and there's wheat. He holds in his hand the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas belong to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. So here's the summary of the first two points. The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world we now live in. Do you understand these first two points? Say, uh-huh. <laughs> this is going to go well. Number three, the good seed. The good seed, which is wheat, represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. The good seed finds their origin where does the good seed come from? The good seed finds its origin in Jesus, the good farmer. They belong to the good farmer. Now, I want you to notice the phrase. They belong to the good farmer, farmer because they find their origin in the good farmer. He sowed us. He put his seed in us. He put his seed in us. He initiated it. He placed a seed inside this fertile soil. He owns us. We belong to him, and we're living on his land right now. And one day, listen carefully, one day after the harvest, the kingdom of heaven will become the possession of those who belong to the good seed planting farmer. I want to say it one more time, because I'm going to tell you, your mind ought to be blown by this concept. 
one day after the harvest, the kingdom of heaven will become the possession of those who belong to the good seed-sowing farmer, the Son of Man. And there are only two farmers in Jesus' story. The seeds, the good and the evil seed, are planted on this current land. And one day, all seeds on this land called earth will be harvested. Some will be harvested into the kingdom of heaven, and some will be harvested into a fire. Are you listening? But all seeds are going to be harvested. Matthew 13, 49, the same story Jesus was telling, verse 49. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, the weeds from the, from the wheat. So let's do a summary. First three points. The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world we now live in. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand these first three points? Say, uh-huh. Yes, Here we go. Listen carefully. Not everyone is a good seed. Point number four, the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Now, I'm going to ask you a deep question. Do weeds know that they're weeds? Do weeds, he's, let me say the truth again, number four. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The weeds are the people, they're people. They belong to the evil one. Do these people who belong to the evil one know I'm a weed? Do I know I'm an imposter? Do I know I'm a fake? Do I know that I produce no fruit, no crop for the master? Do I know or do I not know? I wonder how many answers I'd get to that question today. So let me upgrade the question. Do you believe there's a weed planting evil one? Do you believe there's, there's one that sows weeds among the wheat? That, that there's a, a person that does that? You see, the weeds in Jesus' story belong to, you got to understand, belong to. He owns you. The weeds belong to the evil one. They don't belong to the good farmer. And there's only two choices of who you belong to. There are only two farmers in this story. One is evil and one is good. One is good and the other is actually the enemy of good. All good. Everyone belongs to one of these two farmers. And these two farmers can be illustrated as fathers because they find the seed finds its origin from one of these two sources, which could be your father, because that's how we find our origins, it's from our father. So the wheat finds its origin from the Son of Man, and the weeds find its origin from the enemy of the Son of Man, the devil. But I want you to understand something. Everybody, all of this creation belongs to one of the two. I'll ask again, do the weeds know that they're weeds? And do you believe there's a weed planting evil one, an enemy of God? So who do you belong to? If you're in the room or you're watching online, who do you belong to? Who owns you? And let me put it like this, because this, I think, especially in light of American culture right now, I'm, I'm going to put it in a specific form. If you walk up to a weed today and say, who do you belong to? Who owns you? You might ought to duck. Because the idea that well, nobody owns me. Nobody owns me. I live unto myself. I'm free. And you're already deceived. Because you, you, you don't live unto yourself. You weren't born unto yourself. You don't live unto yourself, and you will not die unto yourself. There's someone bigger than you. And there's two sources of life 
two sources, excuse me, not life itself. There's only one source of life. But there's some seeds that have been sown onto this earth. And one of those seed sowers is your father. One of those seed sowers is your father. All right? So I'll ask you, who do you belong to? I'm the blood-bought son of the Most High God. That's who I belong to. I've been purchased by the blood of this seed-sowing good farmer. And I don't say that with any shame or reluctance. I'm quite happy to belong to him. I'm quite happy to be sown in this field, that life comes from him. But that goes back to the question, do weeds know that they're weeds? No. No, that's the whole problem. If a weed knew that he was a weed, he'd do everything possible to become the wheat. But that would require something. It's called the seed. You see, it is the seed that produces the wheat. And that is the very thing absent among the weed. He doesn't know. In fact, what he knows is a lie. He doesn't know the truth because the truth is the seed. Romans 8 verse 1. Does this offend you? Romans 8, 1. And because you belong to him, the power, excuse me, I left out verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong. No condemnation at harvest time. I'm not afraid of the harvest. There's no condemnation at harvest time for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So here's the summary. First four points. The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world we now live in. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Do you understand these first four points? Say, uh huh. Uh -huh. Number five. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. You mean he's real? You mean he's real? He's real. He's, he's got like a pointy tail and a pitchfork and a red cape. And he is the enemy of the good father. He is the enemy of the good fa farmer. And yes, he's real and he is the adversary of God. In fact, if you look up the translation for the word Satan, you would find the word adversary. That's what his name is. And all who belong to the devil will also become. Listen, listen. You're going to be, some of you are going to like this. Anyone who belongs to the devil, you have also become the enemy of God. <gasps> Did he say that? He said that. If you belong to the enemy of God, you have become the enemy of God. Do you believe that? Do weeds know they're weeds that belong to the enemy of God? Do weeds know that they're imposters, that they're fakes, that there is no crop for the gardener, for the harvest, for the farmer? 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us? How does God the Father show us His love? For He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, the weeds, he calls us his children. We're the wheat. But the people who belong to this world, the weeds, they don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Weeds don't recognize the wheat. I want to make this point really clear. You ever wonder why the people outside the church, the, the lost, the, the world, looks at the church like, What's the matter with you all? You, you ever wonder why they look at the church and they just, I don't get you all. He says this, the people who belong to the world don't recognize that we're God's children. Why? Because they don't have ears to hear. They, they don't have eyes that see. And they don't have a heart that receives and believes the truth. They, they don't have the seed. They're a weed. 
Weeds don't recognize the children of God. They don't recognize the difference between us because there's a deception. And they don't see the deception. If they saw the deception, they would know the truth. But they can't see. So how does the devil do it? It says, Jesus tells the story that a farmer slips in at night and he sows this evil seed. He slips out in the dark. How does he do it? Come on. How does he actually pull it off? He's a liar. He's a liar. And you know what's frightening, especially in our time, is he tells you what you want to hear. Which is usually not the truth. He's a liar and a deceiver, and only the truth can set you free from the lies of the liar. And what is the truth? This is really important. And what is the truth that would set the weeds free? It's the other seed. It's the Word. It's the Word that would say, and what is this? It's the truth. How do you stop any lie? You tell the truth. How do you stop the darkness? You turn on the light. What's the church supposed to do? Tell the truth, turn on the light. It'll ruin the weeds. Because the weeds will for the first time in their life see the truth. They'll understand the truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What Jesus is explaining today is actually called the gospel. This advanced farming teaching of Jesus is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me show you in a different light. 1 John 3, 7. And he's talking to the idea that could you be deceived? Could I be deceived? If he's doing it to others, could he do it to me? And how do I fight the deception? How do I fight the darkness? Here we go. 1 John 3, 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, listen church, when people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they what? They belong to the devil. If they keep on sinning, sinning it shows, because what's the crop of those who belong to the devil? Sin, that's the crop that you're producing. If people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to, belong to, belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil, which was what? The sinning, sinning, sinning. This rebellion against God. He came to destroy that. Those, here it comes, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. That doesn't mean you never sin. It just means that you don't make a practice of it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will wear you out. He'll wear you out. Something inside of you will say, "Uh uh-uh. That seed inside of you will not stay idle. Verse 9 again, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Because why? Why? Because you're righteous? No. Because righteousness lives inside of you. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're the children of God. So now, whoa, we can tell who the children of God are and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Why? Because the seed is inside. He's inside. The truth is inside. And by the way, what does the Bible say the fruit of the Spirit is? The seed multiplies supernaturally a fruit, a crop for the farmer. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's the fruit that God intends for His children. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't have to squeeze it out. It just happens. Why? Because He lives inside of you. Do you understand? Wheat and weeds, good and evil. Are you getting this advanced kingdom of heaven farming story? Could you be deceived? 
Look at the fruit of your life. I'm, I'm being really practical. Could you be deceived? Could you be a weed and not know it? Look at the fruit of your life. So let's summarize the first five. The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world we now live in. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. And the enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Do you understand? Say, uh huh. That was weak. Do you understand? Say, uh huh. Okay, I told you it goes faster if you go along. Number six, the harvest is the end of the world. Did you know all this farming was going to come to an end? To an eternal harvest? Do you know that? I read to you Genesis 8.22 when we opened. I want to read it to you again. This time I want to focus on the beginning of it. Put it up on the screen. As long as the earth remains. Did you know the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth are going to pass away and there's no longer going to be any sea and you're going to see the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descend as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and all things are going to be made new including this earth, and as long as the earth remains. But what about when it no longer remains? Did you know all this farming stuff is going to come to an end? Did you know that you now live in the last days? Do you know right now you live in the countdown of the last days to the harvest? Right now we're in a harvest countdown. I think this is really big. Maybe you don't. Maybe you question what I'm saying. Maybe you think it's promotional material. In Matthew 13, 30, in Jesus' story, farming story, he says, let both grow together until the harvest. And then, what's going to happen at the harvest? Let the weeds grow alongside the wheat until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, then burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. The harvest, the wheat. In the harvest, the wheat's going to the barn. Do I really need to tell you what the barn is? The harvest, the weeds are going to go into the fire. Do I need to tell you what the fire is? You must be new here. Do the weeds know they're weeds, or do they think they're wheat? See, I'm convinced that if the weed knew that it was the weed, he would have known the truth, and the truth would have then set him free to become a wheat. That's what I think. So no, they don't know they're weeds. And unless somebody tells them the truth, they will always be weeds. Do you know about the last days? Can you be sure that we live in the last days? Last week was Pentecost on the Jewish calendar. Pentecost was the day that the church was born supernaturally in power. The Holy Spirit came, fell upon these people, and the church was birthed. The unstoppable movement of God began by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what Pentecost is? This is so cool. I wish I could work all this out, but I'm not this smart. You know what Pentecost is? It's the celebration of the wheat harvest. It is the celebration of the first crop of wheat. We celebrated this past week. And do you know what Peter announced on the day of Pentecost? At the beginning of the church, you know what he stood up that day? Because I said the, it, the church began, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon these people. Peter didn't write this sermon. It, Peter just spilled out this sermon because the, the seed inside of him forced him to speak these words. Do you know what he said that day? Peter announced the beginning of the last days on the day of Pentecost. Some 2,000 years ago on Pentecost, he announced the last days and the countdown began. Do you know that? I want to read it to you. Acts 2.14. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents in Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I guess if it had been noon, it would have been okay. I don't know. 
No, they're not drunk. Actually, they're drunk on the Holy Spirit. No, what you see, what? Crazy things were happening. Supernatural things were happening. Fishermen were proclaiming truths they couldn't possibly understand. Power was coming out of powerless people. The seed was producing a supernatural harvest. 3,000 people will come to Christ this day. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He's the Old Testament prophet, hundreds of years before the time of Peter. And what did Joel say? Verse 17, in the last days, the countdown's beginning. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. You can insert the word seed. I will pour out my seed, my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, what days? In the last days, in the countdown. I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. You and I are in God's field and you and I are in the last days before the harvest. And I'm going to ask you, do you believe that? Because I certainly do. How should we live in the last days before the harvest when there's weeds all around us? It's a good question for the modern church. What will it be like in the last days before the harvest when there's weeds everywhere? And it looks like the weeds have grown more robust than the wheat. In fact, there's so many weeds, it's hard to find the wheat right now. Well, how should we live? What should we do? 2 Timothy 3.1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving, and they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Love pleasure more than they love God. And here comes the grand finale to me. And they will act religious. They will act like wheat, but they are weeds. Pay close attention. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could have made them godly. They have rejected the very seed, the very truth, the very person that could have made them holy. So their religion is a false religion. Their power is a false power. And what's he say? Stay away from these people. What will the weeds say in the last day? So I give you a homework. Not really. You go to a weed this week and you know they're a weed and you go to where they disavow any knowledge of God, truth of God's word. Look at you with one eye like you're strange and you say, do you believe we're living in the last days? Do you believe in the soon return of Jesus? Well, see, that's illogical to a weed. If they believed that Jesus was coming back, they wouldn't be a weed. You see, they don't know the truth, and the truth could have set them free. So what will the weeds say about the return of Christ, about the message today? Do you know that's in here? Second Peter 3.3. 3. What will the weeds say about the last days? Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth. And what would be the truth that they would mock or scoff? They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? They'll mock the idea that, yeah, 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 you got Jesus coming. He's going to save you. You're, preacher, you're waiting on some guy to come in the clouds. Yes, I am. Yep. And by the way, what was your plan? Excuse me, what was your plan? 
So let's summarize number six. We're going to hit number seven. Here we go. The son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world we now live in. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom of heaven. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world. Do you understand these six points? Say, uh uh-huh. One more. Number seven. The harvesters are the angels. You always wondered what they were going to do. They're going to harvest the crop for the farmer. The book of Revelation reveals this coming day of harvest by God's angels. I want to read it to you, Revelation 14, 14. I'm going to tell you, every time I read it before and I'm reading it right now, I got goosebumps all over my arm because I need for you to understand, this is real. This is real. Do you understand? Revelation 14, 14. And I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. The crop of earth, the crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Some are going to go to the barn. Some are going to go to the fire. Do you believe this advanced farming teaching of Jesus Christ today? Do you? Look at the next verse that describes this angelic harvest. Because Jesus told us just a few minutes ago, point number seven, the harvesters are the angels. Let's go down to verse 17. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had the power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. And I'm going to ask everybody a question. What did you think the good farmer was going to do to the weeds on Judgment Day? What did you think he's going to do? I ask everyone right now, either in the room or online, I ask you to put aside anything that might be distracting your attention right now. Don't worry about what's going to happen after this service. I want you to listen closely to how this thing ends today. I want to read Jesus' advanced farming explanation to his closest disciples, except this time I'm going to give you the ending. I have not yet given you the ending. Are you ready for this? Are you sure? Say, "Uh uh-huh. Let's start with verse 37. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Now, this is verse 40 is where we're going to pick up what I have not yet read to you. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, just as the weeds are going to be sorted out by the angels and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they, these angels, will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom and anyone with ears to hear. You wonder why I went through those seven points seven times? And anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Do you understand? The weeds will never 
understand. Do you understand? That's why there are weeds. Now here it comes. I used to be a weed. And somebody came and they sowed a seed into this man's life. Do you understand? Because I do. I used to be a weed. Devoid of truth. There was no crop in me except, except self-indulgence. And someone, a preacher, sowed a word inside this soil. And it took root. And he's a wonderful farmer. And that seed has grown inside of me, and it is producing now a harvest, not by me, for I know who I am. It is a producing a harvest 30, 60, 100 times for the one who sowed the seed. All of these good seeds find their origin in Christ. The weeds will never, never, never know they're weeds until someone tells them the truth. That's your job. That's my job. You think that's only my calling? That is my calling. It's your calling too. It's your calling too. You see the weeds, and, and, and there's only one way to do it, and that is the truth. You've got to tell the whole truth. The whole truth. The weeds are going to be pulled up and sorted out to be burned in a fire. Well, that's rather offensive. Not if it's true. I believe in Jesus. I just don't like this whole fire thing then you don't believe in Jesus. You, you've created an imaginary Jesus. The weeds are going to be pulled up and sorted out to be burned into fire. So it will be at the end of the world. That is what the harvest is going to look like. Jesus is going to send out his angels and they're going to remove from his kingdom. Remember, we're living on his land. He's going to remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will leave his farm. They will leave his property. They will leave his presence. Forever they will depart. And they will never return into his presence. These weeds will weep. Listen, church. These weeds will weep and gnash as they fall helplessly into the lake of fire. They're weeping and they're gnashing. So the idea that hell is some kind of a fade to black unconsciousness, you've made that up. You made it up. This man is from heaven. Jesus is from heaven. He is the power of the resurrection of the dead. And he says they're going to fall helplessly, weeping and gnashing as they fall into the lake of fire. And they're going to depart from the glorious presence of God, which is called life. And they will enter a consciousness. It's not called life, but it is a consciousness of pain and suffering and loss and anguish. And you'll never recover. They were deceived by the enemy. And perhaps no one ever told them the truth. And perhaps no one ever told them about a book and a message and a word and a seed that would give you eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. I want to read this last verse together. Put up verse 43. I'd like for all of us to read it out loud. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Did you hear it today? Do you understand today? If you reject this message, you are rejecting the seed of Jesus and you are a weed waiting for a terrible harvest. The righteous, the wheat, the good seed are going to the barn. The kingdom of heaven where they will shine for all eternity. I'm looking forward to the barn. The weeds, the seed of the enemy are going to the fire where they will suffer forever in the absence of the good farmer, the son of man. Anyone with ears to hear should hear and understand. We live in the middle of a worldwide plague. Some are getting it. And there's rioting in the streets. And some are seeing it. 
And I think that it's God's call in the last, I don't know how much time we got left to harvest. I don't know. But I believe time is short. I really do. And if you need more signs than this, I probably won't be able to help you. There's a worldwide plague. There's rioting in the streets, and your heart must ask a question. I wonder what's coming next. But in the middle of all of this, God's Word has secured you. His presence has gone in front of you, behind you, beside you. He wants to call you His child, His son and His daughter, and redeem you from the grave and make a promise that He's got this thing. He's got it. He's going to see you all the way through the end. In the harvest, He'll meet you in the barn. So today we're going to do something totally different in closing. There's a video that Chad and I saw this week and just moved both of our hearts. And, um, I want you to stay in your seats unless the Lord's leading you to make a decision. Then I want you to come forward. Will's going to come up front. I'm going back for a baptism. And let me just say this. I'll already be in the water. And if somebody here today that you feel like you need to be baptized today, then you can meet me not in the barn. You can meet me in the baptistry. Because there's a young lady, she's going to come over here, and I'm going I'm to baptize her in just a few minutes. And Will's going to come up front. I'm asking you to watch this video. Just watch this video. And let, let, the, let this time, Will's going to be up front to meet with anybody. Let's watch the video together.